This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got a great show in store for you tonight. Dr. Scott Jensen out of Minnesota is going to join us. He's running for governor for the great state of Minnesota, and he joins us uh, now. Dr. Jensen, it's great to see you. Uh, let's jump right in because there's so much to talk about. Today, <clears throat> the FDA, the CDC said, hey, we're going to put a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Now, to be fair, it's six situations of blood clots out of 6.85 million doses that have been uh, submitted, if you will. So I guess I just want to get your takeaway and how concerned should people be by the fact that the FDA and CDC have now put a pause on this? Well, I appreciate that they did put a pause on it. And I think that we, again, need to talk about context. I understand that there's some million doses of J&J vaccine that's been given. But here's a point. How many of those million doses were given to women between 18 and 49? What do we know about women between 18 and 49? The great majority of these are able to bear children. So is there something there? If we have six instances of potentially lethal blood clot formation, it may not be six out of a million. It may be six out of a much smaller number. Yes. We need to know how many of those people got it. Then we also need to ask the question, do we think that physicians and, if you will, clinics administering the vaccine are doing a comprehensive, thorough job of reporting concerns? Possibly not. And then another question is, is it an all or none phenomenon? In other words, when blood clots like this, these micro blood clots form, is it possible that there is a lower level of symptomatology that may not be meeting a threshold of going in and getting care or reporting it? So I think it's wise to put a pause on it. I think that this happens with any vaccine, but we're going to be more concerned about it when it's been a vaccine that's been fast-tracked. Well, that's what I was going to get to. I mean, the fact that this has only been an emergency approval, where there's already some vaccine hesitancy across the country and across the world. What would you say to people right now that have that hesitancy about taking the vaccine? I wish I had something brilliant to say, Chris, but I don't. I would say this. I think we have an obligation to one another to understand that we each have our own threshold level for what constitutes vaccine safety. This is why it has to be a choice. This is why vaccine passports are such a horrific, terrible idea and a true invasion of our individual rights. This is why we have liberal organizations saying vaccine passports cannot be allowed, nor can de facto vaccine passports be allowed. So I just want people to understand this was a call earlier today with, I believe it was the FDA and the CDC, um, but a conference call about the pause on the, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So let's listen to what they have to say here. And we'll give you a chance to respond on the other side. We can get the United States, one case was fatal and one patient is in critical condition. While we review the available data, out of an abundance of caution, the FDA and CDC are recommending a pause in the use of this vaccine in the United States. The FDA will revise the fact sheet for healthcare. I mean, what stood out to me there, Doc, and this has not been in a lot of play, is that one of these blood clot situations ended up being fatal. Your response? 
I was aware of that. And the other one was very significant. And again, how many people might have been suffering this same process of, if you will, molecular activation of the blood clotting cascade? That's really the big question. And I think that's why the FDA and CDC are pausing it. They say, we've got to get our arms around this. This might be a lot bigger than six out of a million. And there may be deaths that we have not identified as well. So I think it's appropriate. But I think it's important also for people to understand that a lot of times physicians aren't in a position to know that one of their patients may have had a problem with the vaccine. So I think the number of cases that get reported typically are going to be representative of only a small portion. There's more out there. Well, just to be fair, Doc, I, I want to make sure we're on the same page here because it's six out of 6.85 million doses, not six out of a million. Are you, are you saying the same thing? Or, okay, just so now. Yeah, whether, it's, whether it's a million or six million, I'm just saying that the six million weren't women between 18 and 49. Right. You, you have a huge number, and we probably need to shrink that down and find out, okay, we've got six cases, all women between 18 and 49. How many people received it? Then we need to look at those six and see what other comorbidities did they have? Were any of them potentially on a birth control pill? Were any of them pregnant? We need to understand that as quickly as we can. So that was my question. What what do you think it is about this vaccine that this seems to, as far as we know, only be happening within women roughly 18 to 48? I don't know, Chris. Okay. So for the people that have taken the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, what do you say to those people? Well, quite obviously, you can't unvaccinate yourself. So I'll go out on a limb here and say something that is just purely conjecture. I think that the best thing we can do is try to make our own immune system as strong as possible. And I don't think you can ever start early enough. So I would tell people, if you've been vaccinated in your concern, get on some vitamin D, get on some zinc, get on vitamin C, get off the couch, Start walking every day for 15 minutes. Try to lose five pounds if you think you need to. Try to eat healthier. We really need to own our own health. This is a pandemic. I understand that people have gotten vaccinated many times in a situation where they weren't sure what to do. But the decision has been made. Go out and do everything you can to make yourself healthier. Doc, we seem to have lost you here for a moment. Uh, can you hear me? There, we got you back, sir. Um, one of the things I want you to jump into, Doc, if you can, is this vaccine, as far as I know, is one of the first, meaning this, this COVID vaccine, one of the first was the M messenger RNA vaccines. I'm hearing a lot of mixed reviews about mRNA vaccines because they're so new and, and what it really does to the software of the human cell and the human DNA. Can you kind of talk to me like I'm a five-year-old and explain that? And, and is it something people should be looking into, concerned about or not? Sure. Let's just use a metaphor. Most everybody knows what an avocado looks like. Perhaps a four-year-old won't, but hopefully an eight-year-old will. <laughs> you've got the skin, you've got then the food that you eat, the fruit that you eat, and then you've got the pit. Think of the pit as the nucleus. With an mRNA vaccine, this is basically a set of coded instructions that gets through the cell membrane and it gets into the cytoplasm. It takes some of the organelles in the cytoplasm and recruits it to manufacture the protein 
that is representative of the spike protein or antigen on the outside of COVID-19 viral particles. That's what it does. So with the mRNA, we've been reassured over and over again that that coded set of instructions does not get into the avocado pit or the nucleus, which is where our DNA resides. So I think that's why the mRNA has been a technology that has been studied and worked on for decades because of its great potential. And so this is the first time it's been done. It's important for people to realize that it's not been approved. It's been an emergency use authorization. If this does pan out, it's an excellent way to create a biological product that functions as a vaccine. It might give us the ability to more quickly respond to pandemic situations. And this would be game changer for the human race going forward. On the other hand, if we find that there are problems that we don't know about, then we're going to have to stay nimble, press pause, and figure it out. At some level, as much as I hate to say it, because I know this is going to sound so dramatic, but when we do something like this, we really are running deep trials of Moderna and Pfizer vaccines on on patients. And we're desperately trying to watch, learn, and monitor as rapidly as we can. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us here. Stick around. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, as we know, there's been another unfortunate police officer shooting and killing a young black man. As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Dr. Jensen, writing for the governor of Minnesota, we're going to ask him, hey, as governor, what are you going to do to stop these shootings or at least try to stop these shootings from happening? As always, please share your comments with us. We love hearing from you. And stick around. We've got more of Dr. Jensen coming up right after this short break. 